Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni. I'm Omni. And I'm Saudi. And today we have a very special guest. This is JC. We have talked about him on previous episodes. JC, you are a father, an artist, an intuitive. So first of all, I'd just really like to say thank you guys for inviting me on your show and giving me the privilege to be your first guest. Absolutely, yes. The subject that we're going to be speaking on today, I'm by no means an authority on it, and I believe in not telling people how to live their own life, but I do have a lot of experience as a parent. I'm a father, a son, and a husband, so I feel like I have an interesting perspective on this topic. Absolutely. And this episode is all about conscious parenting. First, if you want to check us out on our social medias or even check out Saudi's website to book a free consultation, go ahead and check out the link in the description that will bring you to our link tree and it's called aceofalchemy.com slash Lionsgate. JC, you also are an artist and you do music. So how can people find you if they want to check you out? So my music could be found on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, pretty much anywhere you find music at Wabi Sabi. We'll also be leaving the links in the show notes. Absolutely. All right. So let's get started with Saudi. What is conscious parenting? So conscious parenting, or you can call it CP, is a term used to describe a parenting style that focuses more on awareness and mindfulness rather than like authoritative or permissive way. Okay. Most people that are doing the conscious parenting don't punish their children in a conventional way. They set expectations and then encourage self-regulation. Right. There's a few different parenting styles. There's many different parenting styles. Yeah. But there's a few that are on the top. The ones that the psychologists and experts all agree on and studies have shown the worst parenting style with the worst outcomes, authoritative parenting Mm-hmm. And that's where children obey from a place of fear. And then they become adults and they learn to obey from a place of fear. That's exactly how I was raised. Is it really? Well, from my dad. My mom mm-hmm. was different, but they were still together. Right. And you get obedient children, but it comes at a cost. And they become people pleasers. Yeah. And yeah. it's the cost of their self-esteem and their self-worth. Mm-hmm. Right. It can lead to a cycle of abuse raised by fear and intimidation. And people that have been raised that way are more likely to become abusive and aggressive in life as parents. Mm -hmm. I will say that I've learned I'm not perfect by any means. I catch myself like losing my temper and I'm like, ooh, I I see my dad. And then Mm -hmm. I might take a step back to learn to get outside of my ego and then deal with it. It is not that this is like detrimental, something that, oh, well, that's the way I was taught. That's the way I am. That's not true. You can learn and build from anything. Right. And then there's the permissive parenting, which a lot of people confuse with conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. They're like the gentle parenting where there's not a lot of rules. Mm -hmm. There's really low demands on the child and they tend to be very loving parents, but they provide very few guidelines Mm -hmm. and rules for their kids. These parents don't expect much from the kids. They don't expect mature behavior because they're not adults. Yeah. So I see the theory behind that, Mm -hmm. but they look at their child more of as a peer or a friend. Yeah. So there's some things that are really different within the conscious parenting versus the permissive parenting. Yeah. They really rarely say no to a child. A lot of times they'll use 
food or toys to encourage their kids and bribe them to mm-hmm. do what they want them to do. And they teach their child that they don't need to listen to anyone. Yeah. There is no authority over them, that they are an authority to themselves. Right. So that's another way of parenting. And that's another style that some people are going for these days. Right. But that's not conscious parenting. Right. JC, I wanted to start off with you were talking about kind of understanding yourself first as a person before preaching at your kids, basically. Correct. So I tried to develop a high self-worth and accountability. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, I practice a lot of things that revolve around self-love and acceptance. I love the saying, be the change you wish to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And I really hold that to heart. So these are things that I I practice consistently. And some of the things I practice in addition to that are setting reasonable boundaries with myself and my friends. And that leads out to family Mm -hmm. and eventually with my daughter. And I think it's very important to set healthy, reasonable boundaries and understanding yourself, you can actually set those boundaries. So then when you are reaching that line, you know that it's coming up and you also know that you're not going to overstep. And I think that's where people make missteps is when they don't know what that boundary is. Mm -hmm. And then also being okay with making mistakes. Yeah. Instead of looking at it as a mistake, I look at it as like a learning opportunity. And if you learn that lesson and you do it again, then it's a mistake. Yeah, that's a really good way to put that. Yeah. So I had my kids three years in a row. When my son was born and he was younger, I was taught to spank. I just Mm -hmm. was. And so I popped him on the butt a few times when he was a toddler. And then when his sister was a little bit older, I saw him hit his sister. And of course he's going to hit her. He's like, no, you don't do that. And he hit her. And I'm like, why would you do that? And then I, I stopped and reflected on what I taught him. I taught him when somebody does something wrong, you hit them. I was like, yeah, that's not how I want to raise him. And he still remembers that too, to this day. He remembers Mm -hmm. that I spanked his butt because it was a big impact on him. And so I chose a different path. I made mistakes. I learned from those mistakes. And your kids could be grown and you could be learning from those mistakes. Like nobody's perfect. Sometimes I'll break down and be like, I feel like I'm failing. And that's when you have the sign that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because you're open to feeling that reflection of being there and trying to be the best that you can be but you are human when i was a kid my mom can contest to it too i took a couple spankings too yeah. it's not that i'm for or against it i personally don't practice mm-hmm. it with my kid that does make me think growing up i was somewhat accustomed to violence so i'd act out in violent ways mm-hmm. but also to touch back on self-work some of the people that i've acted out towards in a violent manner mm-hmm. with some people i've actually had the opportunity to apologize and admit that i was wrong and yeah. that's kind of a uncomfortable situation but i mm-hmm. think it's like a necessary thing too and I think that's huge as an individual to just admit when you're wrong so that you can move on. And especially with your kids to teach them that that is a really admirable thing to do because it's not easy. It's growing pains. And especially when you're in that authoritative role Mm -hmm. and then you have to go to your child and say you're sorry that you made a mistake. So for a lot of parents, that's really difficult to do. Mm -hmm. But it's really necessary because how can we expect them to do something wrong and then apologize to their friend or apologize to someone for that? If we're not making those steps within ourselves. Exactly. That's kind of like the cornerstone and what I think conscious parenting is. It starts with self-work at the end of the day. I think it's great that we're all three here today. Yeah. Because we have myself and I've raised three kids and I have seven grandchildren. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to see it from a little bit of a different perspective Mm -hmm. now. Like looking back on the things that I should have, could have, would have done, you know, if I knew what I know now. 
And then I'm able to implement that with my grandkids. Yeah. And then you're raising preteens and teenagers Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And then we have JC coming through as a divine masculine energy, Mm -hmm. raising his eight-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. in a very healthy way. Yeah. So I think it's really cool, the energy between all three of us right now coming from different directions. Oh, yeah. And coming humble. We're not coming here on a high horse being like, this is how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. This is the correct way. Like, hey, we've all made mistakes and we're here to talk about them and Mm -hmm. hopefully help others learn from them like we're learning from them. So I agree. That's beautiful. And I think that's huge going into some of the topics that we'll probably be touching on today. Mm -hmm. Know yourself and accept yourself and you'll be able to do the same with the people around you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Saudi, you made a post on Facebook. The question I asked was, What's one thing you wish your parents would have done differently when raising you and why? And the second question was, if you're a parent, knowing what you know now, what is one mistake that you made or one thing that you would have done differently? Mm -hmm. And so it was really crazy, the answers that I got. The first answer that I got was, I wish my mom would have loved herself more. Mm -hmm. And that hit me really deeply because when I was raising my kids, I didn't really have a lot of self-love for myself. I was in a really abusive relationship and I was working all the time and I didn't love myself back then. And I was setting that example for my kids. Mm -hmm. I think it ties perfectly into this discussion about self-work because when Mm -hmm. doing the self-work, it ultimately leads to self-love because any path you really go down to eventually, I feel like you find love. Yeah. And your kids are grown now. And even though they're not little kids anymore, they're still your kids. And even though they're adults, they can see the person you've grown into now and how beautiful it is to watch you be in a loving relationship and having love for yourself. Right. And I think the way that I looked at it back then was I'm doing a great job with my kids because I love them so much. I've been there. Everything I did, I did for them. And I was like, I don't care about myself. And Mm -hmm. I would say that. Like, I would say, I don't care about myself. As long as my kids are good, I'm good. Yeah. So there was not a lot of healing within myself. It was Mm -hmm. all of that was put on to my children. Mm -hmm. And when you really think about that, that can be damaging for a child. Yeah. To put all that pressure on them that if you're okay, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. So if my kids were doing well in school and they were doing sports and they were making good grades and their teachers were talking good about them, I was okay. It would make me happy. But if they weren't these perfect children, then they were in trouble. They would and see mom upset. Then I would be really upset because my whole world would fall apart if I thought my kids weren't doing okay. Right. So I've been there personally. And then they see their mom not having time or love for herself. Mm-hmm. And that's the person they're looking up to so that hurts them to see you be empty in a sense Mm -hmm. I've been there too so I'm relating to Mm -hmm. you on this also even being in a relationship that's no longer positive Mm -hmm. and I'm speaking for myself too yes work on a relationship try to do your best to make things better but if you both are not in a good Mm -hmm. place and you're no longer serving well together yeah and that part too like I was in a relationship I knew it wasn't a good relationship but I was like well, at least the kids have a dad and, mm. you know. But then they're looking at that like, is yeah. that what a loving relationship yeah, is? Yeah, and that's one of my biggest regrets when I look mm. back is that I didn't get out of that relationship mm-hmm. way sooner. Mm-hmm. And I just stayed in it because I wanted my kids to have a mom and a dad. Yeah. And so I didn't realize that that was worse than them not having their dad in their life. Yeah. And I ended up finding that out when he finally did leave. Right. 
And JC, you come from a place where you and your wife are together and raising Irie as a couple. Yeah, so with this response was, I wish my mom loved herself more. I think that kind of created an environment where this individual may have had issues with loving themselves because of what was displayed to them. But it also shows to me a lot of growth that this individual can recognize that mm -hmm. and probably has a lot of self-love for themselves. Sometimes these cycles, you can get stuck in that direction or you can recognize it and go in a different direction. And so growing up with a single mother, I have the utmost respect for you and anyone who's doing that. But I do personally find a lot of value in having a two-parent household. And that's something that I really strive to, where I wanted something different. I think a lot of people when they become parents, they're like, well, I'm going to do everything perfect because I'm not going to do what my parent mm -hmm. did here because I know how that made me feel. And then when you start making mistakes, almost like you're a failure because mm -hmm. you're like, well, my my parent did this or my yeah. parent did that and I never forgot it. It's like, dude, we're all going to do something. Well, we're all going to mess up our kids. Yeah. It doesn't matter how conscious yeah. we are or not. But I think a part of conscious parenting is realizing when you make a mistake and consciously thinking mm -hmm. about it. If anybody knows anything about shadow work, we just mm -hmm. did an episode, our last episode was about shadow work. Episode 21. When you're doing shadow work, the things that trigger you and irritate you the most are the deepest things that you need to work on, mm -hmm. right? And so your own children that you gave birth to yeah. will test your patience more than probably anybody else on the face That's of the earth. true. <laughs> so there's a lot of shadow work that goes into being triggered when your kids act in a certain way and then you react to them so. that's why the saying oh my god i became my mother or i became my father right and we all do things that mess our kids up you know mm -hmm. even if we have the best of intentions i have a little story about my daughter she was about six years old and she came out of the bedroom wearing a dress that i bought her when she was like four mm -hmm. and it was this pretty little yellow dress but she had worn it and worn it and she was too big for it and she came out of the room she's like mom do i look pretty and I kind of stopped and I looked at her and I was trying to think of something to say. And I was like, um, and she's like, I'm not pretty. And I was like, baby, you're beautiful. But yellow just isn't your color. That's when she was like around five or six. And to this day, she's almost 30 and she has nothing yellow in her closet. She refuses to wear yellow because it's not her color. Yeah. That stuck with her and did some permanent damage. And so sometimes we say things that we just have no idea how deep that's going to run yeah. for them. But if you give them the tools to grow and heal mm -hmm. and you're growing and healing, that's what this is about. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so what's another thing on Facebook? I would have paid more attention and been more present. So that came from a mother that's looking back on her life with her children mm -hmm. and she's saying that she wished she would have just been there more yeah and been present in their life and that's something that we do as parents as well as sometimes we just we want to get through the day we want to get through the week we want to get them back into school now we want them to go to high school and college and we're just trying to like push them through their lives mm -hmm. and give them the best possible skills that we can but we're not really paying attention to being with them in each stage of their development in each stage of their mm -hmm. life and being present within that so i'm really bad about that and I have been conscious and working on that. And I have a thing where we do stuff with the kids. I always want to surprise them. And they're just like so annoyed about it. We ended up going on kind of like a little mini vacation with the kids uh, a couple weeks ago. It was three days and I didn't tell them what we were doing. And we gave them hints to kind of joke around. But one of my kids were like, why do you always do that? You always want stuff to be a surprise. It's so frustrating. And I said, because I want you to be present in the moment. And if I tell you the whole 
planned the whole itinerary for this Mm -hmm. trip, you're going to be like, well, this waterfall is okay, but I can't wait for it to be tomorrow Mm -hmm. because of what we're doing tomorrow or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It could be anything. I want you to be present in the moment. And that's not me just preaching at them. JC, you did something similar like that with Irie. Oh yeah, we did. We we tried the same method and I think it did work because Mm -hmm. she had been wanting to go to Hawaii for years because me and my wife had went on our anniversary and she unfortunately didn't come with us because she was a baby. Yeah. Nevertheless, she was aware that we went. And so she was asking (laughs) all the time. And so we wanted to make it a surprise. So she didn't know until we're literally on our way to the airport. I think we even recorded it. But yeah, she was definitely overcome with emotion. She was like crying and was so excited and then got nervous. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's something really to be said about that, like keeping things under wraps a little bit just to like, Mm -hmm. you know, keep you present. And teach patience. Yeah, and patience. And to touch on that, it's kind of on the subject. But like one of the things I do with my daughter Mm -hmm. to practice patience, and I think it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. If I'm cleaning the house, I might have a headphone in her music playing Mm -hmm. and I'm zoned out on cleaning the house and I can do it pretty quick. Yeah. But what I like to do instead when my daughter's around is slow down and do it with her. Mm -hmm. So when she was younger and we did the dishes together, she couldn't reach the top rack, but she could reach the bottom. Mm -hmm. Cooking dinner, I can cook dinner pretty quick and I'm go, go, go. But if I hand her the knife and show her how to cut it and make the dish... She's way more involved in the dinner. Mm -hmm. So even something that she wouldn't even want to eat that night, she's very excited for. And then also, too, it's a scary idea to hand a kid a knife, but at least she's learning slowly. And I think it's a lot more scary to hand an adult a knife that doesn't know how to use it. Yeah, exactly. You think a lot of times since you're able to do things a lot quicker, then that might be the right way to do it. Um, But over time, you're creating a partner in crime. So once they're up to pace now, many hands make slight work. And so you're teaching your kid these values. And I think that's a really good way to become present with your kid. Oh, I agree. Cooking with the kids, it does drive me crazy and it teaches me patience because mm-hmm. that's my like domain. I'm mm-hmm. like, get out of my kitchen. I am multitasking. I'm doing five things at once and I don't do it all the time, but sometimes I stop and I'm like, okay, I need the kids plan a meal with me mm-hmm. and I need to help them. So I'm not perfect by any means, but every once mm-hmm. in a while I acknowledge that and try it. And then my daughter is amazing at baking. She's 12 now and she can bake a cake on her own brownies, cookies. Mm-hmm. She'll just be in the mood to whip up stuff. And it's because those moments stuck with her and I should be better about it, but that's what this episode's about being more mindful. <laughs> The other topic that was brought up was I wish my parents would have had more open conversations. To this day, I still am afraid about talking about big things. That's another thing, too, about conscious parenting is to keep the kids involved. Like, I know we can give them surprises sometimes and things like that, but to keep them in the loop because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of parents out there that are like super private. Mm -hmm. You know, there are some conversations that need to be had without the kids around. Okay, we get that. But when it comes to big decisions, a lot of times people will behind the scenes do everything like a move or something like that because they think their kid can't handle it mm-hmm. or a divorce or something like that, yeah. like a big life event. And they'll keep it hidden from the child until the very last minute. And then they spring that on them. Mm-hmm. I get where parents are coming from with that. With conscious parenting, it's like they're already getting a shock from the news of what's going to happen. Their yeah. life is going to change in some kind of way. And they weren't told about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like an extra layer to feeling just like left out from it. And like this person was talking about that, you know, they still can't have big conversations to this 
day. Yeah. Because they were kept out of all the big conversations when they were little. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. It's age appropriate and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think your kids should know and they should know when you're upset. Yeah. It's okay to show your kids that you have emotion, that you're upset, that you made a mistake Mm -hmm. because then your children are watching. How do you deal with that? Do you Mm -hmm. throw things against the wall? Do you scream? Or do you have a place where you go and take a few deep breaths and calm down? They're watching all of your moves. When I start to get snappy, I stop and I'm like, sorry, guys, I'm getting overstimulated or I'm getting overwhelmed. And so they understand I'm not getting snappy at them. Mm -hmm. They're not doing something wrong. It's me. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've done in the last since I probably went to therapy. And just that little bit of communication. That's something my mom would talk about when my older sister started having kids and how she was like, you just need to talk to kids like adults on the sense of consequences versus whatever we were all at a restaurant and my niece threw a big fit because they didn't have something she she wanted mac and cheese and she like had a meltdown and my mom picked her up took her outside and sat her down and she's like look at everybody inside having like a great time spending time together and she's like yeah and she's like do you want to go back inside and she's like yeah she's like okay well it's a privilege to eat inside with everyone you just can't have a meltdown you're gonna stay out here and calm down and i'll sit with you and when you're calm we can go back inside Mm -hmm. and she brought her back in and she was perfectly fine and i remember because i was like 10 when my niece was that age Mm -hmm. and i just remember looking at my mom like how did you magically do that i think she did it in the right way yeah we've been raised and conditioned to do things Mm -hmm. The way that our parents did it, yep. their parents did it, our friends did it, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was just recently finding out that when I could say a kid's misbehaving and they're at the table and they're kind of acting crazy, mm-hmm. they're not eating their food, they're doing whatever, they're getting in trouble. And then you say, well, go to your room. That actually does damage to them mm-hmm. and causes them to feel like they are not wanted by the family because of their actions. Mm-hmm. So it's great that your mom went with her. Yeah. And just like send her away somewhere oh, by herself yeah. and sat and talked to her until she was calm. Mm-hmm. I was just recently finding out that that actually gives them abandonment type issues. Because I'm not acting the way they want me to act, I have to isolate myself Mm -hmm. and I have to be removed from the family because of this. So there's other ways you can go about it and other techniques, except for because we're finding out the timeout doesn't really work either. Mm -hmm. Because you're taking that child that's severely upset. You just want them out of your face. That's pretty much what timeout is because you're going to take a break away from me before I do something (laughs) to you. Okay. And so you're doing that. So you take this child and then they're in the corner and they tell you can't get up. You can't Mm -hmm. move. You've got to stay right here. So they're already agitated, don't know what to do with their own emotions. And then they usually start to cry harder and they have like a little mini panic attack over there. So you're like traumatizing this child, but whatever, as long as they're over there and they stay there, I'm fine because they're in trouble. And then they have to calm themselves down and stop crying. So they calm down on the outside, but on the inside, their nerves are shocked. Their nervous system is in like overdrive. And so they learn to push those feelings down and then act like they're okay so they can come out of the punishment that they're in. So I heard this really good story about what one woman did and I was like, oh man, I wish I would have known about that when my kids were little. Mm-hmm. She got a bean bag and she filled it with lavender and all kinds of just really good smelling calming herbs oh, and stuffing and stuff like that's that. That's a great idea. <laughs> and she made this little place in her living room that it was the meditation corner, the calm down corner. Mm-hmm. And so when her daughter wasn't upset, she was like, mommy's going to make a spot and you're going to make a spot. So when we get overwhelmed or we get frustrated, we can go to our spot and it had teddy bears and books, little things like that in it. 
So when her daughter was starting to do things like that, instead of go to the corner, go to timeout, she'd be like, okay, well, mommy's going to go to her meditation place and I need you to go to your meditation place. So her daughter would feel calm and loved there. Yeah. And then she would come to her and say, okay, are you ready to calm down? Are you ready to talk? And actually listen to her daughter because sometimes we're like, okay, we need to talk now. We demand and we Mm -hmm. treat them like they're little soldiers. You're going to get up, brush your teeth, brush your hair, like do this and that. And they're just being ordered around from the time they get up until the time they go to bed. And if you think about it, if you're upset and your partner comes home or your friend comes over, how would you feel if they treated you like that? Exactly. Like, give me a fucking hug. Like, yeah. ask me if I'm okay. Like, ask if you could make me some hot tea yeah. or, you know, sit with me and be like, what mm. is wrong with you? Are you okay? You know, and we don't have it we have a tendency to not do that with our kids we Mm -hmm. just get like get mad at them especially when they're young and then by the time they're teenagers and they don't want to talk to you anymore you wonder why it kind of ties back to self-work and i think one of the things to focus on is self-control and recognizing that when your kid is going through something like really wanting the mac and cheese at the restaurant that's not there You have to be able to recognize that's the worst thing that's ever happened to this kid at this moment. The worst thing that's ever happened to someone is still the worst thing that's ever happened to them. So for you, you might have like a higher tolerance and threshold. Like maybe you unfortunately lost a loved one or something Mm -hmm. and that's the worst thing ever. But at the moment with this kid up until that point in life, it was that mac and cheese in the restaurant. Yeah. And so I do think it's really important not be so reactionary and tying back into the self-work, just being able to have that self-control to not react Yeah. because you need to be calm in situations that do require you to react under pressure. And if you're accustomed to hitting that panic button, that could be very detrimental or dangerous. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's worth noting. When I went through a divorce, they make you take parenting classes. And I was like, this is some bullshit. Like, I'm a mom. Like, I know how to parent. But it was actually really beautiful and amazing. It was kind of like a boot camp for parents. And we're all going through therapy. We're all going through this horrible time where we're separating from our kids other parent so it was really bonding but the one thing I really took away that has stuck to me to this day and that I've actually reflected other people that have gone through similar things is this other guy had a preteen and he was saying you know we used to be so close but ever since me and her mom split she just we can't get along we're butting heads that's my little girl we were just like two peas in a pod he shared that when he was speaking to his therapist about this my daughter's just so reactive when she's going through something and I try to help her with it she gets angry at me you know I'm a fixer which I'm a fixer and he's like when a wall falls down in my house I'm gonna fix the wall I'm not just gonna leave it there and the therapist said is your daughter a wall and I to this day that has helped me be such a better parent because I now have a preteen and this is four years ago three years ago And I look at my kids and I say, is this something that you want to vent about? Or is this something you want to brainstorm and find a solution for? And a lot of times when I thought it was finding a solution, they just wanted to vent. And I do the same things to my friends as an adult too. So sometimes I catch myself being that fixer and I'm like, hang on, you just want an event? And that's so important to listen. And I'm, I'm a talker, you know this about me and I'm a fixer. So having that analogy said to me has helped me become such a better parent in my eyes and hopefully my children can help me connect to them better so like you're saying not be reactive sometimes you just have to sit there and listen and that helps better than anything anyways okay next facebook post 
So there was somebody that said, I wish my parents would have been more supportive of my artistic inclination. When I was about eight years old, I asked my dad to show me how to draw mountains, hills, and landscape. He was an amazing artist that never really tapped into his talents at all. He showed me super fast in a meh kind of way and said, you don't want to be an artist. There's a reason the term starving artist is used. You'll never make any money. I didn't pick up a pencil in an artistic capacity again until I was in in my mid 20s how much of an impact that made on him mm -hmm. that he didn't even pick up a pencil no. and draw anything ever again from eight years old until his 20s that's so sad mm -hmm. part of all of this is just being really conscious of the things that we say mm -hmm. and the way that we act towards our children and be able to go back and say hey you know what i said that but and there's some things you can apologize for and then there's some things you just can't take back so that's mm -hmm. why it's so important to really regulate your emotions and really think about what you're doing as a parent so you're not planting these seeds of like doubt and stuff like that yeah. within your kids just because you couldn't do something doesn't mean that they can't yeah. Because there are very successful artists and a lot of people made comments and wrote in and I didn't see one comment that said, I wish I would have been hit more. Yep. I didn't see one comment on there that said, I wish my parents would have been stricter with me. Yeah. None of that. Nope. That goes to show something right there. Yeah. They just want you to be present. I just want you to be pre I wish my parents would have been there more for me. I wish they would have paid more attention to me. The time mm -hmm. that you spend with your child. I look at that too. We're only responsible for them for a very short amount of time for teaching them the tools to go out in the world on their own. And 18 years seems like a life sentence to a lot of people. But when you think about your babies and your children that you love, it's not that much time. My son is 13. I have five more summers with him, maybe, maybe like four. I'm going to force him to go to every family thing because <laughs> we take a lot of little summer trips to the beach or to the lake or whatever. It's family time. And then he can say he doesn't want to go. And that's not bad but that's not that much time right well I was listening to this psychiatrist recently and she was talking about how sometimes as parents we just think we know what's best for the kids yeah. right so we have their day planned from the time they wake up till the time they go to bed and it's go 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 this one woman she had a lot of money and she took her kids on vacation to Disney Mm -hmm. And they rented a resort at Disney and she had breakfast with the princesses <laughs> and the cast and she had their like entire day planned and she couldn't get the kids out of the pool. <laughs> and she's like, we have a pool at home. Come on, let's go. We have breakfast with the Disney characters. We have all this stuff to do. And the kids were screaming and throwing a fit and crying and they didn't want to get out of the pool. Yeah. And the counselor that was talking to her was like, well, you better go get those kids out of the pool right now. Make them have fun. Tell them that they're going to have a great time because you spent all this money and you plan this for them to have fun. So they better have fun doing it. It's kind of a lesson. Like, I don't know if any parent out there has had this happen, but I remember buying a play structure for my kids when they were little and it came in this really big box and they probably played on the play structure two or three times. It seemed like. But that box got so <laughs> much use. I paid $500 for this thing, right? And they painted it. They made a playhouse oh. out of it. When it started to fall apart, they used it like to go down the stairs oh my God. with so they could like slide down the stairs on it. This box lasted forever. And they found so <laughs> many different things to do with it. And I was pissed off. I was like... Are you guys serious? Like, go outside and play on the play structure. And they're, like, too busy playing with the box. 
It's like cats. You know, and then I have the nerve to get mad <laughs> yeah. because they're not doing what I said I wanted them to do to have yeah. fun on. You exactly. Know? That's funny. So to that point with this individual who mentioned that they wish that their father was able to kind of teach them more the, the story about the box and stuff like that. It's my personal belief that this realm that we're in is here to teach us lessons. Mm -hmm. And when we need to recognize too that our children, we should be learning just as much from them them as we're teaching yeah it's reciprocal i just think that's really significant because yes they are children the fact that we're together now in my eyes that we're even here we've been together before and we'll be together yeah. again this is just a continuation of these lessons. Yeah. My kid has taught me so much to love in a capacity that I didn't even know was possible. Mm -hmm. I had all these preconceived notions prior because I am an older brother. My sister, for instance, she was dressing in a certain type of way. I would tell her like, oh, no, go inside. And, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you're too young to wear makeup. And this guy is not good enough. And then once I became a parent, I realized, man, all that really matters is that I hope my daughter experiences being loved by someone else as much as they love her. And yeah. I don't care who that individual is or if she wants to wear makeup. She's eight now and she's been wearing makeup for a while. She does it all the time. By just giving her that freedom to like be herself, she's actually does her makeup better than a lot of adults. <laughs> it's just kind of cool. I mean, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents to be teachers and educators and stuff like that. But we also have to take the time to recognize that we're here to learn too. 100%. That's beautiful. An inspiration to me is one of my daughters. We were in the car. She was sending a voice clip to her friend and she played it back to listen to it. And she's like, oh my God, I sound like I'm six. And she's 11. And I go, nobody likes listening to their voice, <laughs> me included. And she goes, no, no, no. I love my voice. I sound amazing. Okay, she didn't come from a place of condescension. She came from a true place of self-love. A lot of kids show confidence. It's an outer shell for insecurity. She has true self-love. And I'm inspired by it. And she has this really authentic love for life where we're driving and it was spring and we have cherry blossoms. And she's just like, oh my God, just look at all the flowers on the trees. I just love spring. And it just made my heart swell. You're so inspiring. You see the beauty in such little things. And it literally mm -hmm. has inspired me to be like, I need to stop and be more present. Right. Like I of a child yes yeah. And just yeah appreciate the flowers on the trees they're mm -hmm. freaking amazing right love your voice love the way your hair looks today it is mm -hmm. okay to love yourself each of my kids have inspired me in different ways jc i 100 percent agree with you that you need to learn from them because she's taught me that and many more lessons that's just the few off the top of my head wait till you're a grandparent i know i can't <laughs> like wow you think that you have this love for your kids that i do i have so much love for my kids mm -hmm. but when those grandbabies are born mm -hmm. i'm in awe of yeah. them they're beautiful mm -hmm. you think that you can't love anybody more than you love your own kids or equally <laughs> and, then the grand <laughs> and then the grandbabies come and you're like wow i would do anything in the world for yeah. this little person you love them as a parent mm -hmm. but more it's an incredible because you don't have to be there for poopy diapers you give them back yeah, and then i've got more wisdom and more clarity That's right true, so yeah. then i can judge my kids <laughs> And be like, what? And it was so funny because you know the late everybody's talking about the lady on the plane where that she's like, she's oh, not real. Yeah, yeah. My daughter makes fun of me about that all the time when my my grandkids are like, oh, I love my grandma so much. My grandma's this and this and that. She's like, she's not real. <laughs> My daughter's like, she was not like that when oh I was little. I know. And I'm just sitting over there all sweet like, no, it wasn't that bad. 
Well, okay, so JC, you kind of ties into a topic that I know you want to touch on is generational attributes. We hear about generational curses, but you had a really cool flip to that. Yeah, so what I understand is when you're doing shadow work, you're dealing with a lot of traumatic experiences in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. But then you also start realizing that they're intergenerational. And this is a very important thing to note. But also on that same coin, there's a very beautiful side. A good example of this is my grandmother. I really got to sit down with her and she expressed this to me that she's been writing music and poetry for years. And then my mom in private had done the same thing. Mm -hmm. And me as well, recording music and still writing poetry too. And then... It comes out, I find my daughter doing the same thing Mm. by herself. The fact that we're here, we come from very resilient, creative, beautiful, amazing ancestors that we call upon when we need guidance. And I just want to extend the reality that our practices that we're doing today in the future will be those ancestors being called upon. Oh, I got so many goosebumps. We're planting seeds to trees that we're not going to be able to see fully grow, but we can be rest assured that our future generations will be able to enjoy those fruits for sure. Yeah. And so it really does start with you. That's such a great way to look at it too, because it's really easy to focus on the negative. And when you focus on the negative, you spread that to other people and especially your kids. Right. And I know I've had to be mindful of being like, okay, well, what's the positive thing? You know, we talked about the kids getting off the bus and they have the first thing they want to say is what bad happened that day. So I then in turn was like, name me three things that are happy. I'm saying that to them to help them see the positive things, but then I have to stop and look at myself and reflect and be like, do I do that? We can look at anybody in our family Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, well, they're an alcoholic or they're this or that or the other thing. But actually looking at the positive traits that they have as well is really important. Not to just see the bad in things, to actually look at the great qualities. So a couple will split up and the mom or the dad will badmouth the other one. All you're doing is hurting the child because whether you like it or not, that other person is half of that child. I think that's parental alienation is such a big thing because it really does damage the kid. So I can look at my son and be like, you get that from your dad in a positive way. Say it in the positive instead of the negative. Exactly. I've seen people do that to their kids and they're like, you get on my nerves. You're exactly like your dad. Yeah. They'll say some things like that. And how damaging is that? Okay, friends, we're going to pause right here for part one, but don't forget to subscribe for when part two comes out and for all current episodes of Lionsgate Podcast with Saudi and Omni.